0: you are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. In today's episode, Candace and Cher discuss why it can be difficult to develop self-compassion if you've grown up believing that you are the problem. Until we see our stories more truly from a posture of self-compassion, we can remain stuck in harsh negative emotions toward ourselves. Listen in as Cher asks Candace questions about her experience of what shaped her beliefs as a young child.
1: Hi, everyone. It's Candace and Cher again. And we are back to further the conversation today on what does it mean to develop the trait of having self compassion? Cher, last week we went into your story a little bit of what it was like for you growing up in an environment that really did not give you the opportunity to even know what self compassion would feel like or is and yet there was some aspects of your childhood where you got glimpses and noticed and and noticed goodness and curiosity about what love felt like yeah. and so today we're we're and and you named what are some opposites of self-compassion and you identified pretty strongly with just the the self-contempt hating yourself today we're going to look at a a little bit of you know why is it so difficult to develop self-compassion or to have self-compassion. It feels like it would be something like you can read a book and say, oh, now I can be self-compassionate. And uh, we hate to break it to you. If that happened to you, hallelujah. (laughs) But we hate to break it to you. It's usually a long, hard and good journey.
2: We've talked about this before a lot about the limbic brain and just about how For me, I think I grew in understanding so much when I began to study the brain and how I always thought of the brain as pretty much as being the prefrontal cortex. You learn information, you get a strategy, you exercise discipline and you make the needed changes like that's that's what the brain was all about. And I would try to do that. And and so learning about the limbic brain and how it stores all of our experiences and all of our perceptions and all of our emotions and all of our beliefs, that we have this part of our brain that is very powerful, that actually trumps the prefrontal cortex. We talked a little bit last week about beliefs. And so what I believe about myself is my reality and that's stored in my limbic brain and so even when i read a book about self compassion or having self compassion that is prefrontal cortex and so that learning that information is important for sure it is and i need to and 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 hear about it and learn about it but until i enter the arena of where my deepest beliefs are held In the context of my experiences and how I perceived those experiences, until I enter that arena, I cannot change the things that I most want to change. And so that's where we get stuck in these cycles of repeating behavior over and over and over, even behavior that we desperately want to change. It just seems like we can't change no matter how hard we try. We have to get into the context of what's going on in our limbic brain.
1: Well, we have to get into the context of what happened then, and then the the changes and shifts come by what we experience now. So th- this is where the new neural pathways are formed, and I'm I'm just kind of thinking about, and I'm smiling really big if you're watching on YouTube because there are times either if it's me and you or the group or whatever, we will all of a sudden get excited and say, I really think that I'm developing a new neural pathway (laughs) and, and, and we're serious. Like it, it is. So this is what this looks like. It is when you start to notice that you feel differently, you respond differently, you think differently, there there is an interruption or a disruption in the survival pattern, in the coping behavior. And it is those things that you may have learned about, but then you also feel the weight of, I have all this knowledge. Like, and this is what you were saying. I have all this knowledge. Why in the hell? Do I keep going back into these patterns, behaviors, thoughts, whether that is self-contempt, other contempt, or both? Yeah. And so the self-compassion piece in this is: we want to say there's a reason why. Yeah. And that reason isn't because you're a lost cause, because you're too much, Mm -hmm. because you're not enough, because you're bad because you're dangerous hmm. your very brain was developed in a way that your beliefs and your perceptions have more power over you than what you just want to do in the moment and can't seem to do it
2: yeah so good candice and i want to also add in here our attachment wounds because hmm. when it comes to our relationships as adults it's like we we have such a hard time breaking out of our patterns and when we can get our hands wrapped around our attachment wounds and 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 bring healing there that that's where then we can experience really powerful change too
1: i'm i'm smiling again really big <laughs> because i am feeling the goodness of how true that is and how much we've experienced it in the last few years yeah and i want to say there's joy there and and yet we can bump into things still we just have resources now right but i'm i'm also thinking about i remember when we first started this podcast i didn't have a lot of self compassion in in this area i felt i was kind of beating myself up a little bit because i was not a licensed clinical counselor. I felt like because I wasn't, I wasn't so much sure what we really had to say or could offer people. Yeah. I just noticed as you were talking that I love just showing up as two women who are doing the work, who are learning as we go. And we're saying you don't have to have degrees. To understand, to put in the practices, we support licensed clinical therapists, we see them at times we know them, we love them. But our our the heart of our podcast was to say, we're just two women doing the work. Yeah. And we want to invite you to just be who you are. And know that there's resources for you to do the work. And do the work. Like,
2: please do the work. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard and there are a lot of obstacles, not the least of which are the beliefs that we hold in our limbic brain. And so to come back to that, (laughs) but we have to do the work and it's hard and there's some agony involved in going back into our stories so that we can identify like we talked about last week, like what were some of my blocks to being able to experience love and compassion so that then I could begin to feel that for myself. Mm-hmm. Had, had to go back and look at my stories so that I could gain understanding. What if art could help bring healing to the wounds from your complex childhood trauma? And what if healing could release and free your artistic expression? Click the link below to learn more about my new course called Art and Healing Beginning Watercolors. I, I, I,
1: I was trying to think, why did I beat myself up in that way? And it occurred to me that my experience with a licensed professional Mm -hmm. and and this is not this is just one experience in my experience Mm -hmm. was this hierarchy of being the bad one the broken one the I don't know like the way my body felt in her presence Mm
2: -hmm.
1: was was not attuned to like I'm I'm because this is just coming up for me I haven't I'm processing in real time. Here's what I know to be true. I have two clinical therapist friends in my life right now who are amazing and I would refer anyone to. I have never felt that way with them. Mm. Though they actually have more understanding and are more educated in, in certain ways, the presence that they bring causes my body to like feel safe and rested and not the dumb one, if you will. So I got some stories there. We could talk about that later. Yeah. 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 There's some processing for you in real time.
2: Yeah. No, it's good though. And I think it would be interesting to know, and I'm not sure if we want to go here, but it would be interesting to know how that experience with that first therapist fit in or was aligned with the beliefs that you already had about yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so you moved into that with some predetermined concepts, and they were validated. And therefore, you know, you, you got to, you were able to move to a certain point, but then you moved on from that person.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That's a very interesting question. And I want to think about that because I already have a few things that are coming up for me about that.
2: Well, let's come back. I want to bring us back to self-compassion, and this this reality of what makes having self-compassion difficult is the stuff that's going on in our limbic brain, our beliefs, our perceptions, our memories. What comes up for you when we when we name some of those concepts as far as some of your story or some of your struggle with being able to move towards self-compassion?
1: Hmm. This feels a little complex for me because I'm not, I, I don't have confusion around how self-compassion develops. Like it develops because you were shown compassion. Mm-hmm. Okay. You experienced compassion. Yeah. That's, you know, we can't give out authentically what we haven't authentically received. Yeah. And, and I want to say not fully. In my youngest developmental years, I do feel that my body took in and internalized that I was worthy of compassion and love. I, I know that, but I'm going to say it real quick. It's not about shame and blame. But when my parents divorced, not only did that little girl's world turn upside down very quickly. The next move that I had, what was what shortly after I moved into a home with a man, my stepdad that abused me and hated me. Mm -hmm. And I've got stories that, you know, can still really get me emotional today because my story work coach, when she started hearing my stories It's like, it's like becoming a widow as a young child. You knew love, you tasted love, and then it was gone. Yeah. And so even though it wasn't gone in the sense that who I experienced that from was my dad, it became every other weekend, you know, and what I was mostly experiencing that time Mm. was the abuse of my stepfather. That became, like I said, more complex, but she helped me understand what what that would have been like for that little girl. I like to explain it as my world went dark. Yeah. The light was on. The light was shut off. And I spent years trying to get reoriented to my new reality. Wow. Yeah. 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 And can you identify what
2: did that experience then how you had, you had known love, you had known compassion. And then when it was taken away and you were put into this context of harm and abuse and harshness, how did that alter your belief system about your
1: worthiness to receive your worthiness to be loved? Well, I became the problem. Yeah. Yeah. The problem was me. So you bought into that lie. Oh, yeah. I, turn, I internalize that if somebody wasn't happy around me, it was my fault. And I lived with an alcoholic, angry stepfather. Yeah. I became very powerless, very voiceless, and very hopeless. Mm-hmm. And there's other stories involved here because my, then my dad remarried. And there's other stories there, but that little girl was too much. Yeah, she was the problem. And yeah. and really, I I want to say that how I a- handled that is I became angry. Mm-hmm. I was very angry. Mm-hmm. And though, you know, share I've had people tell me that they didn't experience me as angry. Mm but I was very angry internally Mm -hmm. and it would come out at times, you know, that I'm writing a memoir right now about my teenage girl. Well, my teenage girl held a sense of deep kindness and she had a part that got into fistfights at times. Yeah. So, one of the very most healing things I've ever done and doing mm-hmm. is getting to know that girl.
2: Yeah, I, and I feel like I, there's, a, there's a really strong connection here because I feel like your teenage girl was looking for and fighting for regaining the lost
1: love that she had once known. Well, now I have to write another chapter in my book. <laughs> this is why we do story work, people. Yeah, though, but
2: isn't it true? Like you knew love and it was mm-hmm. taken away and you had, how many step-parents did you have growing up? I had, I think eight, eight. And I wonder, Candace, if every time there was some hope alive that this would be the place where love would be found.
1: Yeah, well, let's let's come back to this. I feel like you just gave me a lot to think about today. That connection, and it just makes sense to me. Yeah. Of, I, I describe in one section of my book that idea of looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah. And so, of course, that little girl had tasted.
2: Yeah. I I'll pull us into a little bit of a summary here because I I know I I put some things on you and that you're 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 wanting to connect and I don't want you to lose that either, but. What we're really talking about here today is why do we struggle to have self compassion? And we're talking about it's those bedrock beliefs that are formed when we're really young that came in the assault against love and goodness and our glory. And that we have believed them until we encounter faces of genuine love that are able to break through and help us consider perhaps there is a different way. Perhaps I could believe that I am worthy to be loved. And so we're going to continue this conversation next week. But Candace, so good to be with you today. And thanks for sharing from your story so vulnerably.
1: Really means a lot. Well, thank you, Cher. I'm noticing I have 1% left on my computer. And so I'm just thankful that I get to say, Share, I love you very much and I love doing this with you. Me too, Candace. love you so much,
2: and it's an honor.
0: Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. One last thing, if you have found this podcast helpful in any way, or if you have questions on how to take the next steps on your healing journey, please reach out to us via email at candaceshare@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Audit Story, LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.